So we're talking about Sabbath, and I want to start off with a, a really cool statement that maybe you've never thought about. It's a Christian reality. Here it is. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. If you're taking notes, pull your notes out, fill in those blanks. You're a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Now, see, the Bible says you're made in the image of God. I don't think that means that like he looks like you or necessarily has two eyes and two ears. But your spirit, that part of you that is eternal, that is never going to die. Right, That's made in the image and likeness of God. That's the highest way you can live your life is according to your spirit man connecting with the spirit of God. Now, you live in a body. That's what we recognize. That's what we know what your voice sounds like. We know what your eyes look like. We know what, when you walk in the room, that's you. But that's the lowest form of who you are. That's a temporary vehicle. It's not forever. It's not going to be who you are. It's kind of like living for that. It's kind of like when I was 16 and I was living for my 1966 Mustang. Washed it every Saturday, polished it all the time, cruised around picking up babes. That's all it was about, right? It was all about the car. That was my whole life. Well, I'm not 16 anymore, thank God. But some people, that's, that's what their whole life is just about, that vehicle. How do I look? What do I feel like? What do I want to do? And really that sort of speaks to your soul. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is made up of three parts, your mind, will, and emotions. That's your soul. Your mind, will, and emotions. And for most people who's ever lived on planet Earth, this is what drives your life. In fact, our culture might go so far as to say, no, you shouldn't just live according to what your body wants. You should let your mind, will, and emotions drive the vehicle. And that's kind of the way most people do. And that's the way you and I, we have all done until we are fully surrendered to Jesus Christ and his lordship in our lives begins to drive who we are. Your mind, will, and emotions wants to control who you are. But here's what the Bible says about that. In Romans 8 and 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. And the mind governed by the Spirit, look at this capital S, the Holy Spirit, is two things, life, everybody say life, and peace. So we want to have our lives not governed by the flesh. Here's the problem. We live in a fleshly culture, selfish, you know, arrogant, angry, you know, uh, prideful. And we're swimming in that every day. And that is why Sabbath is so valuable and so important. When I look out here at this great congregation, I, I, I know many of you personally, I think about the goals that God has for your life, how he wants to bless you and all the promises God's word says, like, you know, the health and, and, and financial security and, you know, making you the top and not the bottom and the lender and not the bar. I mean, so many blessings blessings in your life. And I want to, I want to just say those don't happen just because you're a member of this church, but because you retreat into the presence of God, you hear his voice and you live not according to the flesh, right? Because that's death, but according to his spirit, which is life and peace. That's what God wants you to have living according to his spirit. Now God sort of revealed this to me. when, when you think about a 55 gallon drum or a barrel, and, and, and I want to be filled, like that's me, and I want to be full all the way to the top with his presence. I want to be able to serve and love people and minister to others. Just like if, 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 you're a, if I come into a contact with a thirsty person, I take a ladle and I dip a little bit of that water. Because how many know God's got unlimited supply for whatever you need? And, and I want to be a storehouse. I want to be a vehicle that, that, that transfers God's love to people. And so you just dip for everybody that's out there. That's who I want to be. But here's what I learned over time because I violated the Sabbath. I'm a habitual 
uh, sinner in regards to violating the Sabbath. Okay, I told you that that fourth commandment, you know, thou shalt uh, work on, on, on six days, but on the seventh day you will rest and, and worship the Lord. That's the only one that we all brag about, right? Nobody brags about thievery and nobody brags about, you know, killing people. Like, man, I've been killing people like crazy. But we argue about who is the better violator of the fourth commandment. Man, I'm working hard. I never get a day off. My work never gets done. Well, I'm in the middle of that. That's the way I've lived my life for, for many, many years. And so God showed me this barrel and he said, you know, Jerry, you're really good at... Sunday being filled up. You know, there's a bunch of people going to show up. You know, eyes are going to be on you. So you think about it, you pray about it, you study, you get your rest and you get ready to go and do that thing. But what about when serving me is less convenient? What about when it's impromptu, you know? And, And instead of just dipping off the top, have you ever had seasons in your life, which by the way, we are all called to be ministers of reconciliation. We reconcile God's children back to God. That's what the Bible says. We're all called to do that. The word minister does not mean I have a Bible college degree or an ordination certificate. Minister means, it's a Greek word diakonos, which means to serve. So we're all ministers in here. Everybody in here is a minister. We have white collars for sale in the lobby, $10 each if you want to have one. (laughs) Just kidding. We don't have that. Um, But we're all ministers and we're all called to serve. And so have you ever found yourself like somebody, somebody needs love, encouragement, compassion, you know, you get, you're ready to dip some off, but what happens when it's not in a scheduled time, you're not doing a day star start project. You're not at your small group. You're running late. You're busy. And the person that's in your way is a nut job. You know, I find myself, if I want to serve them, I got to dig real deep in there to get anything from them. I'm dumping the thing out, hoping for a little bit. And, and what God showed me is what, Jerry, I don't want you to be ready in those moments in those times, I want you to be filled to overflow. So even when you're not expecting it and somebody bumps into you, you know, like, like life bumps into you, unexpected things, inconveniences, frustrating see, uh, seasons bump into you. I want you, God says, I want you to slosh over on them. Uh, if, if, a, if a drum is full to the very top and you accidentally bump it, you're, it's going to slosh over on you. I would just ask you this, when somebody bumps into you, what sloshes out of you onto them? If you're feeling convicted, I was convicted earlier because I wrote it and and I preached it to me earlier, okay? It's a tough question. And and God wants us to be so filled with him, so so filled up to overflow. In fact, that's what this verse says. This is uh, 23rd Psalm, right? Everybody knows this Psalm. But watch it in this light. It says, God prepares a table before me in the presence of who? My enemies, not in church, not among the people of God who love, we love each other. We're family. No, no. Even in the worst scenarios. And that's when God's going to anoint your head with oil and your cup is going to what? In, in the worst places, in the most uh, inconvenient moments among your enemies, God says, I want you to overflow. The problem is that's the spirit speaking. The problem is my soul, my mind, will, and emotion says, my mind says, you bumped into me. What are you doing? Get out of my way. My will says, you better not do that again. And my emotion says, oh, you did it a third time. Here we go. Instead of that, I want to be, uh, I, I want to let the miracle of the Sabbath bring me into relationship with God so that I am filled to the top. So here's what I have for you today. There's four tanks that need to be full in your life. Let me show you these. F- follow along, write these down. First of all, the most obvious one and the one people think about when we talk about Sabbath is your spiritual tank. And you've been told probably you ought to have a prayer time every day. And I don't like that word ought because it reminds me of being told you ought to do your homework. You ought to keep your room clean. You ought to eat your vegetables, right? You ought to whatever. 
But the Sabbath is not to be in the same category. Sabbath is not for God's benefit. God does not need all this. God doesn't need our songs. He doesn't need our attention. He doesn't need our prayers. The Sabbath is for my benefit. It's for me. Spending time with God isn't a gift we give to him. It's his benefit back to us. In fact, there's a place that's very familiar about the armor of God, like put on the whole armor of God, right? But but I want you to notice it in this context. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might and put on the full armor of God. Now, why do you need to do that? Because you're going to go into a world that is chaotic. And and it kind of says that. So you're able to stand firm against the schemes or the plans of the devil. You ever gone into work or had a week where you felt like, man, this is not coincidence. All this crap that has happened to me is a plan. Like there's an enemy. That's what this confirms, the schemes. And he goes on and says, because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not people, right? It's not. It is a scheme of the devil. It's against rulers, spiritual rulers, powers, spiritual powers against the world forces of this dark place that we live in, right? And it says we're going to stand firm in that. But let me take you all the way back to verse 10. Here's where it happens. We are strong where? In the Lord, right? And in the power of what? His might. See, the the Sabbath is that moment where I back away and say, I need you. And the first thing you've got to be filled, if you want to to be who God's called you to be and reach your highest potential, you've got to be filled in your spiritual tank. The second one is your physical tank. Now, our culture is obsessed with the physical. Physical fitness, we talk about it all the time. And instead of getting more fit, data reveals Americans are getting less fit fit. We talk, man, there are diet apps, there's phone, you know, there's groups you can be a part of, there's a Fitbit watch, you know, or whatever. There's all, there's more gyms than ever before. And yet everybody's talking about diet and exercise, diet and exercise. And guess what's left out of that equation? The fourth commandment to rest. And so we do more diet and exercise and we, we do less rest than ever before. And what's the result? We are more stressed. This is not my opinion. This is facts. We're more stressed. We're more depressed. We take more medicine for mood-altering drugs. And we actually live shorter lives amid all of this stuff. Uh, Medical doctor Sandra Dalton-Smith says there's something called physical rest deficit. Some of you might have that. Here are the warning signs of physical rest deficit. You lack energy to accomplish your to-do list. You feel tired, but have difficulty falling to sleep. You have a weak immune system and frequent illness. You experience frequent muscle pain and soreness. You need something to get you going. Caffeine drinks, energy drinks, sugar. And you need something to get you to lay down at night, like alcohol, pills, or comfort food. Eyes on me. Don't even point to nobody. It's just you and the Holy Ghost in this room today, okay? In fact, chronically bad sleep is linked to the following, weight gain, depression, inability to concentrate, low productivity, reduced athletic performance, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, diminished immune function, higher levels of inflammation, and poorer relationships. Other than that, there's nothing wrong at all with it. And God, that's why God said these words right here. Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of who? You. 
It was not for people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And this is the kind of statement that got Jesus crucified by religious people. Those are the people who said you can't press the button on the elevator when I was in Israel. These are the people who said you couldn't plug in the toaster oven because that's violating the Sabbath. And they crucified Jesus because he said God doesn't care about the toaster or the elevator button or the light switch. God cares about you. You matter to God. He loves you. Every prayer you've ever prayed, he wants to answer those prayers that are right and good for you, but sometimes we are working against those prayers. And and let me tell you, here's what I've learned. Just like religious people crucified Jesus for this kind of statement, back in his day, in 2023, religious people will still crucify you for this. I'm already getting little emails and messages clarifying to me what I don't understand about the Sabbath, how wrong I am on that, you know. I'm all, you know, And there are people, you got a Sabbath on Saturday, y'all miss the whole thing, you're Sabbathing on the wrong day, and I'm going to blow up your mind and tell you you don't have Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday. You need to fill your tank. Your physical tank is a part of it. If your physical tank is worn out because you work super hard, like part of your Sabbath should be napping. Come on, somebody say in Jesus' name. A nap for Jesus. What are you doing today? I'm napping for Jesus. This afternoon, tell somebody, I'm napping for Jesus. If you get, not right now, not right now, pay attention for Jesus, okay? If, if you work behind a desk all the time, like your, your Sabbath might need to involve going for a walk or a hike, right? If, if, if your work just wears your body out and stresses you out entirely, like your Sabbath might involve a massage for Jesus, Massage. I remember my first massage. I got several massage gift cards over years, and I would never do it because I, it felt kind of weird, you know. Somebody going to be rubbing on you and stuff, you know. And so I just gave my gift cards to Leslie, and Leslie's like, okay. I'm down with that. Man, woman, whoever can do the rubbing, I'm ready. <laughs> so she would take the massages. And one time I was at a conference. This is the first time I ever had a massage. I was at this con- preacher's conference. It was awful terrible, boring, useless, waste my time. And it was in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And it was at this historic hotel, big hotel, conference center. And I'm walking down the hall out of one awful breakout session, going down the hall into the next awful breakout session. And I pass a room in the hotel that says spa. I was like, they have a spa here. And I'm watching all the other preachers go in, listen to the awful goober that was going to be telling us the next jump, you know. And, uh, I said, well, I'll just go in here and see what Leslie's raving about. And I was like, can I get a massage here? And they were like, yeah. And, and this six foot four, 72-year-old black man with hands the size of boat oars walked out. <laughs> he says, come on, before I know it, I'm back there. You know, that's how sin is. It'll just bring you right in. You're not ready for it. I came out of there an hour later like rubber band man. I was so loose. Leslie Call says, how's the conference going? I said, well, it's turning up. You know, it's getting better. I said, in fact, honey, I didn't plan on this, but I met someone. I think I'm in love. He's six foot four and I'm bringing him home, okay? All right, sometimes that's a spiritual decision that you need to relax. God needs you. Listen to me. God is counting on you to be an example to the world. You know why God set Israel aside, gave them six days to, listen, in in the day that this was instituted, you had to work every day to survive. 
Survival was not like it is today where there's food everywhere and, you know, refrigerators and things like that. They had to work every day just to survive. And it was supernatural that they would take the seventh day off. And God wanted the other uh, people around, the, the, the other nations, to notice his blessing on Israel. Not only were they surviving, not working on the seventh, they were thriving. They were growing. They were being blessed. Their, their crops were doing better than everyone else's because God put his hand on them. And let me tell you, in 2023, God wants to do the same in your health, in your business, in your finances, in your marriage, in, in, in your family, in your education, in your goals, in everything. He wants you to be a shining example. The Bible says now you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. But if all that blessing and all those accolades go to you instead of God, you're missing the point. So when you set aside time and say, God, I'm trusting you. I'd like to get on my work computer. I'd like to do more work right now, but I'm going to set aside time to to be alone with you, it shows the world that you're trusting in him and not in yourself. It brings glory to God. And the Bible says if God is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. That's how you get to be a part of God's plan. And he will rain down his blessings over your life in ways you cannot imagine. If you know it's true, somebody give him praise today. That's what he does. So we're going to fill all these tanks, your spiritual, physical, and your emotional tank. Now, when your emotional tank is empty, you feel numb inside. You're unmotivated. You're irritable. There's <laughs> nobody in here. We just go through it for the other services. You can't handle stressful situations. You don't have any enthusiasm. You're not optimistic. And the pri listen to this. The primary fuel for your emotional tank is joy. Put that down on the side of your notes. Joy. I remember from kids' church. That the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's your strength. You need the joy of the Lord. Now, here's the problem. You live in a world that is, by its definition, a joy sucker. Just sucks the joy out of you. It just pulls it out of you. So, you know what you need to do on your Sabbath? You need to take a break from the joy suckers. The suckers you work with. The suckers you talk to on social media. Maybe the suckers you live with, okay? Don't call them sucker, but I don't think I've ever said sucker as much in church at one time. <laughs> a Sabbath break will refuel your joy, and it's worship, and it's prayer. It's what we're doing today, but it's more than that, too. You know, it's, it might be going for a hike. It might be, you know, uh, playing golf. It might be going to a fancy restaurant. Whatever fills your tank, that's the emotional tank that's got to be filled. And let, me, let me give you this last one before I answer a few questions. Your mental tank. Your brain, your mind. Let me ask you this. Do you forget things? Are you forgetting lately things? Are you missing appointments? Are you distracted, unfocused? Are you procrastinating? It might be that your mental tank is on empty. See, the, the most amazing thing God created was, was our brains. Think about this. Your brain only weighs a little bit less than three pounds. And yet it has uh, such amazing, it has... 10 billion nerve cells within it. And coming out of every one of those nerve cells is hundreds of, of connection points coming out. And, and, and it makes more connections than there are stars in the galaxy. Over a trillion connections rapidly firing. Your brain is a modern of, of, of information exchange and ability. But if you don't take care of it, then it's going to turn to a depressed state. It's going to turn to a place where you just feel like giving up. And so what I have to do, I've learned that my mind wants to always work. 
That's the way my mind works. If I, if, if I take a Sabbath break and I, I like to go to the gym on my Sabbath and just kind of burn some energy, I might stick my earbuds in or I play golf on my Sabbath by myself. I do less cursing when I play by myself, so it's just more holy that way. Uh, just me and God, because I cheat more when I'm by myself. God doesn't care. Uh, so I'm just listening. I got my earbuds in and I might be listening to a sermon and my brain wants to work. I have to, I have to condition my brain. My brain wants to work and, and that sermon starts going and I start going, that's a good sermon. Why, why, why hadn't I preached on that? Is that preacher better than me? How old is he? I wonder what he looks like. How big is his church? And, and my mind just got, I wonder if I could get his sermon notes and maybe re-preach that to Daystar. They wouldn't even know I got it from him. My mind just starts to want to do those kind of things. And if I listen to a podcast, immediately my mind goes to like, oh, okay, how, how can I share that with my team, right? If I read a book, like how, do, how can I be a better leader? And so what I'll do to give my mental tank a break is to distract my mind and do something else. I'll read a book that has nothing to do with church or ministry or leadership in any way. I'll hang out or watch a movie with friends or do something that's completely off chore because Sabbath is not a chore to make God like you. Sabbath is a gift that God has given you to make you that shining example that he wants the whole world to see. So all of these must be filled. Your spiritual, your physical, your emotional, and your mental tank. Let me ask some questions that people have been asking me lately. Does my Sabbath have to be on Sunday? The answer to that is no. It doesn't have to be on Sunday. It, it, it doesn't have to be because the day that you're having Sabbath is not where the power is. The power is what you're doing on that day. You know, with God, having time with him, being set free and delivered with his power, there's no power in a particular day. What about this question? What should I do on my Sabbath? And the easy answer is enjoy. Enjoy God. Enjoy your family and friends. Enjoy something that fills you. That's really the real answer is things that fill you. You know the things that drain you and the things that fill you, and you ought to enjoy the things that fill you. Now, the reason a lot of people don't think you can do things like play golf or go hunting on a Sabbath day, or you can go to the movies, or you can go shopping on a Sabbath day is because religion has put these artificial lines between the sacred um, and the secular. And many of you in this room would say, well, he's a pastor. He's in the ministry, right? But I have a secular job, a sacred job and a secular job. But here's what the Bible says. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All of it is the Lord's. All of it is. That golf course is the Lord's. You know, that that shopping mall is the Lord's. And so really what makes something sacred is not what's happening on the external, but what's happening internally. If I'm playing golf and I'm taking time away from my family and I'm spending money that I don't have, it's certainly not sacred. It's destructive, right? If, if, you're, if, you, if you feel like, well, I just need to Sabbath and shop and you're spending money you don't have and you're running up credit cards, that's not sacred. But if, you, if you're connecting with God, if you're resting, if you're giving your mind a reboot, then that absolutely is sacred because it sets you up to be who God has called you to be. So what should I do on my Sabbath? Enjoy things that fill you up. Here's the next question. What should I not do on my Sabbath? And the things that drain you is what you shouldn't do. Work. You know, you shouldn't be doing work on your Sabbath. As much as you can, you shouldn't be looking at your phone, shouldn't be checking work emails, text messages, taking work calls as much as you can. Preacher, you just don't understand. Well, I know God, God, he don't understand you. You're way smarter than God. I get it. It's just like tithing, you know. It's, it's reverse ingenuity. It doesn't work in your brain if you do the math on it. 
but setting aside time and trusting that God can do more. I'll tell you something else that's great to not do on your Sabbath is social media. It's really great. I, 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 I've really learned that the top two emotions that I get from social media are anger and inadequacy. Because I'm either seeing something that makes me want to punch someone in the face in the name of Jesus. <laughs> or it makes me feel like they're so much better than me. I mean, isn't that how, you put, I mean, isn't that how we put our, our post up? Just post up one picture of your wife that she doesn't look amazing. She'll make you take it down immediately. We put ourselves, we want our, we want to look our very best. The other person's trying to look their very, you know what? I, I'm not preaching on social media. Just delete it for that day. Pretend you're Amish for one day, except go to church. You can drive your car to church after that. Just, just disconnect from all that stuff. And then someone asked me also, what about an emergency? Didn't Jesus say, um, if your ox falls in a ditch and gets stuck in a ditch, can't you work to get him out of the ditch? Absolutely can. But some of you, like your ox is in the ditch every Sabbath. And that means you're not really honoring the Sabbath the way you should, and you should change some things. Here's, here's a little passage I'll close with that really makes me think of what my Sabbath should feel like. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and shout joyfully to him with psalms. There ought to be a part of my Sabbath where I come into his presence and I feel his joy lifting me. And the next part of this doesn't really, it feels like a church event, but it really isn't. Let us worship and everybody say bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord. Everybody say kneel. I, I think of this less than like literally bowing or kneeling and more of bowing me and everything that competes with God's lordship I make all of that bow before him and that is why I've decided this that Sabbath is a what protest I am protesting against Jerry Jerry's prideful, Jerry's determined, Jerry's driven, Jerry's going to make something happen. And Sabbath is when I protest all of that and I say, God, I'm not in control. I'm not the Lord of this situation. I can't make anything happen. You have to make it happen. And I've determined on Sabbath day, I'm only going to be a son. I'm not a pastor. I'm not the leader. I'm not the idea guy. I'm not the encourager. I'm just his son, and he's my father. What if you took one day every week and you were just a daughter or a son? That's all you were. Today, I'm not somebody's this. I'm not somebody's source. I'm not the boss. I'm not the count on employee. I'm just going to be your son or daughter today. It's a protest against our world and our culture. And what God wants to do is take your tremendous step of faith to push back against culture and then bless your socks off so that culture can see there's a better way to live your life.